Well, good morning, 11 a.m. How are we doing? So uh, we're in part three of the story of Jonah, and uh, I'm really excited. I've loved doing this series. Has this has this series helped anybody? Like, has this just been impactful for anybody? Um, I've just loved so much just diving into the story. Uh, I don't even know if we're going to be able to fit it into four weeks, if I'm just being totally honest. Um, because I'm behind because there's so much good stuff and it's hard to move on without like, you know, hitting all the application points. Um, we're in week three, but we're still in chapter two. So I don't know if we can catch up or not, but uh, let's read this today. This is Jonah's prayer from inside the fish. It's chapter two, verse one. He says, or I'm sorry, verse one, it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Now put yourself in this moment as Jonah's praying this prayer. Think about the setting. He's uncomfortable. He's at the lowest point in his life, his darkest hour. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep, in, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. God, thank you that you have shown us a picture of ourselves in the story of Jonah. That we are helpless, God, but we're not hopeless because we have a savior named Jesus. God, I pray that you would just reveal some more truths to us today, that we would be impacted, we would leave change, we wouldn't leave the same way. We love you, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. High five somebody, tell them uh, the Jags are gonna win today. The Jags are gonna win today. I mean, the Jets are one in six, so let's hope so, you know? But uh, we've been in this series, um, the, the story of Jonah, right? We're in week three, part three of this story. And I just kind of want to recap, catch you up, because it all builds off of each other. And so uh, week one, we talked about, you know, Jonah gets this call from God to go to the city of Nineveh. And it's a great city, but it's a wicked city. It's an evil city. And so when Jonah gets this awesome call from God to do something great, to go preach to those people, he instead runs in the opposite direction because it's not a call from God that he likes, and so in week one, we said that God won't always call you to do things that you like, right? And so Jonah runs 2,500 miles away from Nineveh into the opposite direction. He goes to Spain instead, right? He's going to take a little vacation to Spain. It was called Tarshish in the Bible, modern day Spain. And so he gets on a boat. He goes 2,500 miles away from where God was taking him. And we said, what are you running away from that you should be running to? And then in week two, part two, last week, uh, we saw where all of a sudden this boat that Jonah gets into, running away from God, starts to experience some trouble because Jonah's on the boat. Who's in your boat that's bringing some trouble into your life, right? And so all of a sudden, this whole crew, the ship crew that is surrounding Jonah on this boat, they're experiencing a hurricane in the middle of the sea because Jonah disobeyed. 
right? And so we said that our choices affect other people. Your choices affect other people, right? When, when mommy smokes, baby smokes. That's what we said last week. And so if you're getting, if you're taking your stuff like around other people, then our choices will affect other people. And so we're in part three today. Uh, we saw that Jonah got, you know, he jumped into the, the water. He got swallowed up by the fish, revenge of the giant sushi. All those years of chopsticks and torture and pain and it's backwards sushi, you know, where the, where the raw human gets eaten by a live fish and, and the whole thing. And so now he's, he's in the, the depths of the sea, his darkest hour, his worst point ever. And then we see in chapter two where he's giving this prayer to God. And so what I want to do today, uh, today's going to be kind of a short week. We're going to go all the way through chapter two, but it's only 10 verses. So, uh, but chapter two, we're going to look at this prayer and we're going to pull three points of application from the prayer of how we should pray. And the first one is this, we should pray with precision. We should pray with precision. We should pray specific, bold, descriptive prayers. Isn't it interesting how specific we get with our worry, right? We're, we're so vocal and specific about everything in our life that we're worried about. We talk about it to our friends at the soccer game. We talk about it to, to, to you know, our, in our group chats or, or whoever. We're like, man, this happened, and I don't know if this is going to go through. Man, the business isn't doing good. My, my family, my kids, and, and, and our worries and our worries. And we're so specific with every worry, yet when we go to pray, we're so generic with our prayers. We're like, hey, God, just help me have a good day. It's like, what? You spent two hours talking about everything you're worried about, and we're like, and God, just, you know, whatever, bless the food, amen. It's like, how can we be so specific with our worries, yet so generic with our prayers? I love this quote um, from Martin Luther. He said, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. I just know some people came in today, and you brought some worries with you. Am I ever going to get the promotion? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to be able to stay pregnant? Am I ever going to, uh, my, my, my spouse is crazy. They're going nuts, right? Some of you brought that one in. My wife did, you know? My, my kids, you know, and, and we're, we brought these worries in today, right? And we're so specific with these things, yet we get so generic with our prayers. And so I wrote this question down. I want us all to, to ask ourselves this question right now, just internally. Uh, what in your life do you want to see improve? What in your life do you want to see improve? We should be praying specific prayers. God knows what's on your heart, but he wants to hear it from you. He wants you to say it out loud to him. He wants, you, he wants to see faith that, that, that you're going to trust in him. And so we should be specific about these things. And that's something we see uh, in Jonah. And here's the thing. Worry is not, that's not faith. Worry is not a, a bold prayer. That's not a strategic, that's not a courageous thing. Worry is an exit strategy, Right? You're already counting it as lost before you even get there. Uh, Joyce Meyer says that fear is a down payment on a problem you, you might not even have to pay for. Worry is a down payment on something that might not even happen. You know, so why do we spend so much time investing in worry, yet so little time investing in prayer? And so we see Jonah praying a precise prayer. Pray with precision. Uh, I, I wanted to show you these last couple of verses. Look at these kind of side by side. And maybe when you get home this week, you can look at the whole chapter, the 10 verses. Almost, I'd say probably like 70% of the verses are directly from Psalms. And so he's praying specifically from Scripture. And I think that that's a powerful thing we can do in our prayers is that when we pray uh, scripture, there's power in that because we're praying something, uh, God's divine word, right? And so look at Jonah 2 verse 3. It says, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. Now look at that verse 
compared to Psalm 42.7. It's almost the same thing. Look, Psalm 42.7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Almost the exact same terminology, right? And so Jonah, while he's in his darkest hour, he's in the belly of a fish. Like that is the worst day of your life. You know what I mean? He's literally inside of a fish praying this prayer, probably something that he grew up singing in church. Probably something that he heard before, and he's praying this in faith out of something that he heard, something that he held on to. And this is one of the reasons why we need church so bad. Because we come in every week, right, and we come in with our worry, we come in feeling defeated, and all of a sudden we just grab on one piece of truth, one piece of uh, something that we sang, right, the grave can't hold me, man, that last song was awesome, heaven was awesome, like we, t- we hold on to one thing, and then we, and you, you don't even know that you got it, you don't even know necessarily that you absorbed it, but then all of a sudden you start going through something and it starts coming out of your mouth, that, that you start speaking it in faith, you start getting uh, courage in that situation. And this is what Jonah's doing. But here's another one. I just wanted to pull two. You could, like I said, there's several verses where Jonah is praying scripture. Look at verse five. It says, the engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. And in Psalm 69, one through two, we see a very similar scripture. It says, I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. Right, and so Jonah's entire prayer, he's, he's going back and forth from, paying, from praying these specific, precise prayers and praying scripture the whole way in these 10 verses. And so we should pray with precision. We should pray with precision. It shows that we have faith in God whenever we get really specific. Right, a lot of times when we're afraid to pray something specific, it shows that we don't really trust that God can do it. So we need to pray with precision. Second thing is this, pray with passion. Pray with passion. You know what, let's just, for the sake of the sermon, it's pray with passion. How about live with passion? And then our prayers just like kind of come out of that, that, that same spirit that we're living in, right? We, we've got to pray with passion. Pray with precision, pray with passion. Look at verse two, uh, actually verse one and two. You see, look at the language that Jonah's using. You see a prayer of passion, right? He's not just saying like, God, you know, I hope today goes well. And, you know, maybe one day you'll spit me out of this fish. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Might just, might as well just start making furniture in here and get, get a fridge hooked up and find a way to get electricity. I don't know. No, he's like, he's praying with passion inside this fish. Look at this in verse one. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, Listen to the language. Listen to what he's painting. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. That's some pretty like dramatic language that he's using right there. In my distress from the, from the deep in the realms of the dead. And it says, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Right? And so Jonah's explaining this passionate encounter, this, this passionate expression that he has made to God. And I, I, I can get so frustrated sometimes in American culture where we kind of compartmentalize church. Like where, where we make church kind of like this, this kind of add-on to our schedule or this, this thing. And we, and we come in and we take all of the emotion out of it. And here's the thing, though. Uh, I I believe that whenever we take all of the emotion out of a relationship with God, that's the spirit of religion, not relationship. Because the spirit of religion is that God is distant, that that you can't access him. You have to go to someone else and do sacrifices and all the things that that they had to do in the old covenant and the old Testament. But how, how many of you know the veil was torn in two 
and now we have direct access through the Holy Spirit to Jesus, right? And Jesus takes our prayer to the throne room. He takes them directly to God the Father. And so that means that we are close to God at all times. And so if, if we're close and we have a relationship with God, how many of you know every meaningful relationship in your life has emotion in it? If you have zero emotion in your marriage, like, like nothing, you don't ever have one conversation that's below, sh- that's, that's below shallow or th- that's beneath you know, the normal conversation, everyday talk. If you don't have one expression, if you, if you never kiss, you never hold hands, you never, you've always put a line of pillows between you and the bed, you know, this is my side, like I get it, but I'm just saying, if there's no emotion, how many of you know that's not a good relationship, right? And so how can we just kind of like compartmentalize our relationship with God and be like, oh no, that's sensationalism. That's just emotionalism. It's all emotion if, if we're, no. It's, and by the way, there's a whole another sermon on this that, you know, we worship God out of, out of our devotion to him. Not, our emotion doesn't dictate our devotion to God, but it's our devotion that dictates our emotion to God, right? And so like, because we're devoted to God, we're gonna be passionate about it. You know, and we're going to be excited and it's going to kind of control. I mean, I think about today, the Jags are playing, right? The three and four Jags are playing. The one and six Jets, right? I'm actually going to the game after the service. True story. But how many of you know, there's going to be grown men all around Jacksonville filling up living rooms all over the place. And let me tell you something, when the Jags do something good, they are going to be high-fiving, they're going to be shouting, they're going to be screaming, they're going to be, you know, button up their beer, beer bellies together, they're going, to be, they're going to be going crazy over the three and four Jags that are playing the one and six Jets. I love, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jags fan, Minshew Mania, love it, like, but how many of you know, when, when I go through something difficult in life, I'm not calling on the name of Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew doesn't even know my name. None of those players even know my name. But how many of you know when I go through something tough, when I'm in the, in the depths of the sea, when I'm walking through my darkest hour, I'm going to call him the one name that has power in it. That's the name of Jesus, the name above all names. So I'm going to get emotional about it sometimes. I'm going to be passionate about it. And my prayers, I think, should be the evidence of that passion. That, that when, when I worship, it should be, man, you should, everyone doesn't worship the same way. But you can tell when someone's, when someone's worshiping, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an expression on their face. It's a posture. It's, it's something where you're like, wow, this person, this is real, you know? And so um, we can't leave the emotion out of it. Verse two again, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. You know, I think about um, when Katie and I first met. We were sitting in church, which was a miracle. I was even in church that day. Was, did, like, was not a follower of Jesus at the time, but I was almost, you know, seeking, you know, just kind of discovering who Jesus was truly. Uh, grew up in the church and just resisted that, like Jonah, ran for a long time. Got exhausted from running, you know, and, and came back, repented. And, uh, but I was in church that day, and thank God I was in church that day because Katie Davis, not Katie Fletcher yet, Katie Davis was in church that day. And uh, I remember sitting during the sermon and uh, pulled up my Motorola Razor, flipped that thing up. You know, remember those? Anybody have a Razor? Anybody have a Razor back in the day? Anyone have the, new, the Nokia with the worm game or the snake game? You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the sidekick, flipped that thing out. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I flipped, over, flipped open my uh, Motorola Razor and I had a text from Katie during the sermon. And she said, I see you. 
and it had a semicolon and a parenthesis. We didn't have emojis back then. That was a winky face. That was a winky face. She said, I see you. And let me tell you something. I was reading into that. I turned around. I see Katie Davis sitting in church and she is smoking hot. Like, oh my gosh, she is looking fine. Right? And we're just kind of friends, you know, she lived far away at that time and stuff. And, uh, but, but we, we were friends for a long time, always dated other people. Let me tell you something. I didn't care that she had a boyfriend. She wasn't married yet. And after service, we were talking at the altar and I was saying, baby, one day I'm going to bring you down to this altar. You'll be wearing a white dress. Okay. And so, and, and I asked her at that altar, I asked her on our, on our first date, listen, cognitively, I was making a decision, right? I want to date this girl. I want to be married to this girl. I want her to have Heidi one day, you know, like, like all of these things. I, I was making a cognitive decision, but I was also feeling something. I was emotional about it. There was something happening in the side of it. It's like, I know two and two equals four, but something else is happening right now that the goodness gracious, I'm feeling something for this girl. Why? Because whenever we have a real relationship, there's just emotion involved. And, and I, I think there's, there's a lot, maybe there's a part of the church that it's like all about the emotion. It's like, oh man, everything, that's, it's not, that's not Jesus. That's not the gospel. That's, you're just like feeling the music or something. But here's the thing. There's something deeper that happens whenever we pursue Jesus in a real way. When we have a true understanding of his gospel, that he died, that he went on across, shed his blood for us. That blood poured out so that we could have life, right? Jesus walked out of the grave so we could too, so that we could resurrect from the death of sin, you know? Sin doesn't make you bad, it makes you dead, you know? And so we're all dead to sin, so we had to be resurrected too. And whenever we realize that, we understand that there's just a natural outpouring that happens when, when you have that cognitive thought, it just comes out in your emotions, and so um, I love that Jonah prays with passion. He, he prays uh, with precision, but he prays with passion. Number three, pray with perspective. Pray with perspective. I love this one about, I love this one about Jonah. Sorry, still recovering from uh, the flu. My voice cracks again. But verse nine says this, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you. Now look at the way that Jonah words this. This is so interesting to me. And I think we can take something from this. He says, what I have vowed, I will make good. Now, where is Jonah right now? He's in a fish. How are you going to fulfill this calling that God brought to you to go to Nineveh if you're in a fish? Because he had faith that he was going to get out of that fish. And he says, what I have vowed to you, I will make good. I will make good on that promise, right? And then he says, once again, in future tense, he says, I will say that salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah's talking about preaching to Nineveh when he's in a fish. And God hasn't even promised that he'd ever be released from that thing, that he would even live. But Jonah is recognizing that that, that, that fish wasn't punishment, it was provision, right? We talked about that last week. It was actually a provision from God to save him. And so he's saying, because you've provided, because I realize that you have plans for me, plans to prosper, you know, that, that, that you have things ahead of me, that you want me to fulfill this calling you have in my life. Guess what? I'm going to pray from a perspective of faith and gratitude. Faith and gratitude. This is the perspective Jonah had. He's thankful that God provided the fish. And then he's praying in faith that he's going to get out of that nasty, stinky fish one day and that he's going to fulfill what God called him to do. I wrote this down, um, is that I've always realized that when I get thankful, I can't help but get faithful. 
when I get thankful, I can't, I can't help but have a faith lift inside of me. When I just have gratitude, like, man, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be, that, that I'm not where I was before, that God, man, look at, look at all that God has done in this church. Look at how, I was sitting on the, the couch this morning, like going through my notes and stuff, and I was just watching all these people walk around and prepare this place and, and get the music ready and the sound booth and, and people setting up outside and, and just all these people that sacrificially give their time every Sunday so that we can all come in and just do church, you know? And I just, I can't help but get thankful. I can't help but have gratitude in my life that, that maybe, you know, if there's something I'm upset about or that I'm not happy about, I, can't, I, just, get, I just get thankful when I just look at what God has done. And because I get thankful and because I have gratitude in my life, I started to get faithful about what he's going to do in the future. And this is where Jonah's at. Because he has a heart of gratitude, he starts to, to have this perspective of faith. And he's saying, listen, when you release me, I will make good on my promise to you that I will do what you called me to do. I'm not going to run anymore in the opposite direction. I will go. And he says that I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah has never realized the truth of that statement more than now. Because he has just experienced salvation himself. And so because of that, he's saying, I'm going to pray with perspective. I'm going to pray with gratitude. I'm going to pray in faith. I think about so many things in our life um, that are painful that we walk through. Probably, you know, sleeping in that fish was pretty painful. But so many times when when there's something painful and um, you're going through a healing process, it's painful. And Jonah Though he was in pain, he realized that it was part of the healing process. And then because it was part of the healing process that he was going to get joyful, he was going to have gratitude. And then uh, the story goes on. It finishes off in verse 10. I'm not going to put it on the screen because uh, the language is pretty graphic. So if you want to go look at that later, you can. But verse 10, basically, the, the, the fish spits Jonah out on dry land. It uses different terminology than that. Um, but so, so Jonah gets spit out of the fish in verse 10 after this, this prayer that he is prayed. And I wanted to read just the first couple verses um, of chapter three next week, just as a little cliffhanger, just to kind of lead us in, because I love this about Jesus. I love this about God and who he is. Uh, Verse three, I'm sorry, chapter three, verse one, it says this, right? Jonah's just been spit out of the fish. He's probably sitting on a beach somewhere. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Somebody say a second time. time. It came again. Jonah had a a chance before when God came to him with this word to go to Nineveh. And then we went through that whole mess, right? He runs from God, gets on a boat, messes up everyone's, you know, comfort on the boat, has to jump off the ship, turns. uh, It's an example of repentance, gets swallowed up by a fish, gets spit out back on dry land. And then all of a sudden it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And what's cool about this next verse, verse number two, it's almost identical to the first verse that we read in the whole story where God called him to go in the first place. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And he said, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. (laughs) I love that. There's no like, you know, nothing else. Like then he came to him a second time because you messed up so much and you're so terrible and you're, you're you're the worst. How could you, he just says the same thing he said before. He's like, all right, you ready to go do what I called you to do yet? (laughs) It's almost like, God is just picking up right where he left off. He's like, all right, you ran from me. You disobeyed. Guess what? I got you back where I need you to be. All right, now will you go to Nineveh, the place that I called you to go in the first place? 
We could have avoided all of this, right? He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give to you. And here's what I want you to know about God and the nature of who he is. God is always extending a second chance. He is always extending a second chance. It's just who he is. It's his nature. God can't help but be grace. He can't help but give you forgiveness. He can't help but just give you a second chance that he just keeps coming a second time. Guess what? I have a feeling he probably would have come a third time if he had to. Because I, because I was Jonah. I ran from God more than two times. I ran a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time and a seventh time. And I ran from God for years and years and years. But what I noticed is that God just kept coming back a second time. In fact, the, the, the word, that, that, the Hebrew word that, um, that's actually written just simply means again. That God came back again. It doesn't even say a second time. It, it, God just came again. And what you notice is that when we run from God, he just keeps giving us second chances. And, and so I, I just want us to understand as we kind of close out today that God is a God of grace. And I think so many people think God is a God of karma, right? But karma is the opposite of grace, right? Karma is you get what you deserve, but grace is you get what you don't deserve. You could never earn it. You could never deserve it, right? Karma is like you go in the antique store, right, with your kids, and your kid is just going crazy and stuff, and they knock over the most expensive vase in the whole antique store. That thing hits the concrete floor, shatters all over the place. Guess what? Someone's probably going to come out from behind the counter and say, hey, you broke that. You're going to have to pay for that. And see, sin, it leaves you broken, right? And what most of us would think is, hey, you broke it. You're in pieces. You're broken. You got to pay for that. But see what happens, because God is a God of grace, because Jesus went to a cross and paid for, his, paid for our sin with his blood, Jesus comes out from behind the counter and says, excuse me, I paid for that. <laughs> like, it's already paid for, I already took care of it, and guess what? I'm going to put the whole thing back together, and it's going to be better than it ever was before. Why? Because Jesus is always extending a second chance. Sin leaves you broken, but God just keeps coming back says he came a second time and look at Jonah's response in verse three it says Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh finally gosh Jonah we could have avoided so much the, the sermon series would have been a lot shorter right but it says Jonah finally obeyed right and we've said the whole time this whole series is, is just to tell you one simple truth Every single miracle in your life is on the other side of obedience. Every single one. Every single move of God, ways that God wants you, it's just, it's just right on the other side of obedience. It's like right there. And so uh, maybe, maybe today, for some of you, maybe you've run in some areas, maybe you're just not, you don't feel like you're right in the will of God, like you're not kind of step in step, kind of like Jonah was. Guess what? I've got good news. God has come a second time. He's extending a second chance. And all our response needs to be is just simply, okay, I obey, I trust. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, you don't look around, you would say, you know what? I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna give him my yes. I just wanna simply say, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. I realize and acknowledge you have the best for me in my life. And I'm gonna make you my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I'm just gonna say a prayer just ask you to simply repeat this silently in your heart after me. I'm just gonna kind of help you say the words to God. Just say this to him. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for me and that you're alive again. Forgive me of my sins. 
say I'm yours. From this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. Just say this to him, say, Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that was you, you said today, I'm running after Jesus. I'm not gonna run away from him. I'm gonna follow him wholeheartedly. I'm saying, this is my first time. I'm, I'm gonna say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand up on the count of three. You're saying, I'm following Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand up. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? You say, today I'm following.